section one hundred and one of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the castle sicilian republic castle sicola became a republic and richard markham had the immortal honour of founding a purely democratic government in the finest state belonging to the italian peninsula the chamber of senators voted by an immense majority the very measure which deprived them of their rank of peers and abolished titles of nobility altogether this species of suicidal process adopted in obedience to the popular will the interests of the community at large and the dictates of a consummate civilization presented a glorious spectacle to the eyes of all the world and these good men who thus sacrificed their own family interests to those of their country experienced a rich reward in the enthusiasm with which they were received by the people when the result of the division on the third reading of the bill was made known for no empty honours could outvie that applause which grateful myriads thus poured forth and if dukes marquises counts viscounts and barons went home that day denuded of those titles they had the proud recompense of a conviction that their names would shine all the more resplendently in history through their own unartificial light theirs was now the aristocracy of virtue and intelligence the chamber of peers was abolished but all those who had voted in favour of the government measures were returned by a grateful people as members of the national assembly which was now convoked the new system admitting of only one house of parliament the moment that august body met one of its earliest duties was to frame the new constitution and this was done on the broadest and most liberal principles it was resolved amongst other matters thus definitively settled that the president of the republic should be elected on the principle of universal suffrage and for three years and we need scarcely inform our readers that there was not even any opposition attempted against general markham but in the meantime for these proceedings occupied upwards of two months the other italian states had become seriously alarmed at the establishment of democracy in castle sicola and the diplomatic agents of naples rome tuscany and sardinia were ordered by their respective governments to demand their passports these were instantaneously granted and shortly after the departure of the envoys a league was formed by the sovereigns of the states which we have named for the purpose of compelling castle sicola to return into the sisterhood of monarchical countries protocols first poured into the foreign office at montoni and these were logically answered by the minister presiding over that department menaces followed and these were treated with a firmness proving how confidently general markham and his cabinet relied upon the castle sicilians to defend the institutions which they had consecrated an ultimatum threatening immediate hostilities was now signed by that bloodthirsty miscreant the king of naples by the weak timid and vacillating pope pius the ninth by the grand duke of tuscany and by charles albert king of sardinia to this document richard markham replied through the minister of foreign affairs insisting upon the right of the castle sicilians as a free people to choose their own form of government and the argument was so well sustained by a mass of reasoning that the king of sardinia and the grand duke of tuscany 
withdrew from the league a re-accrediting their diplomatic agents to the castle-sicklen republic the timid pope was frightened by a knowledge of markham's military prowess into a similar course and the tyrant ferdinand of naples was left alone in hostility against the newly established democracy this monarch obstinate self-willed and bloodthirsty like all the bourbons was not disheartened by what he called the defection of the pontiff the grand duke of tuscany and the king of piedmont but he immediately declared war against the castle sicilian republic thereupon general markham commenced the most active preparations not only to prevent an invasion but to carry hostilities into the enemy's country in a short time an army of twenty six thousand men was collected in the south of the state and richard having taken leave of his family proceeded to join it attended by a numerous staff of which charles hatfield was a member the executive power was in the meantime delegated to signor bassano the general's brother-in-law and the utmost enthusiasm pervaded the entire castle sicilian population so great was the confidence entertained in the valour of the army and the skill of its commander it was in the first week of december eighteen forty six that the castle sicilian forces commenced their march towards the neapolitan frontier intelligence had already arrived to the effect that the neapolitans to the number of forty thousand men were advancing under the command of general avellino but markham well knowing that the spirit of a republican army was far greater than that which animates troops belonging to a monarchy was not daunted by this immense numerical superiority on the part of the enemy he was deeply impressed with the opinion that napoleon bonaparte had damped the ardour of his soldiers by exchanging the consular cap for the imperial crown his knowledge of french history told him that bonaparte's grandest victories were gained with the republican army and he was likewise well aware that the neapolitan troops loathed and abhorred the monarch who had sent them out to fight against liberal institutions he therefore resolved to push on and meet the enemy for his generous nature contemplated with horror the prospect of an invasion of the fertile plains of castle sicola by an army which even in its own country acted the lawless and ferocious part of a horde of plunderers and ravagers on the seventh of december general markham entered the neapolitan territory at the head of his troops and on the same evening he encamped beneath the walls of casino which surrendered without the least attempt at resistance here he waited four days in the hope that the neapolitans would advance to the attack but hearing that they had halted to rest while at sabino a place about sixty miles distant he determined to continue his march accordingly in the afternoon of the thirteenth he came within sight of general avellino's army which he found to be occupying a strong position at a short distance from sabino general markham ascended an elevated flat to reconnoitre the precise distribution of the neapolitans and he was speedily convinced that an immense advantage might be gained by placing the artillery upon that height the task was a difficult one to accomplish but nothing was impossible to an active commander and enthusiastic troops and thus in a few hours hollows were filled up projections levelled and a pathway cleared for the ascent of the cannon meantime general avellino had made no movement on his side and ere sunset the work of establishing the artillery on the eminence was complete the inactivity of the enemy during the entire afternoon led markham to believe that avellino meditated an attack in the course of the night and the castle sicklins were therefore fully prepared to give the neapolitans a warm reception but hour after hour passed without any indication of the approach of the enemy and general markham resolved to take the initiative at daybreak scarcely had the sun risen on the morning of the fourteenth of december 
when the action commenced by smart fire on the part of the castle sickleman light troops commanded by an active and gallant officer in whom the general had full confidence the neapolitans were thereby dislodged from an apparently inaccessible position near sabino and the result was that the castle sicklands were enabled to stretch out upon the plain so as to threaten the enemy's flanks both armies were soon within cannon shot and by nine o'clock in the forenoon the action became general the manoeuvres on the castle sicklands side were performed with a marvellous precision fully compensating for the numerical inferiority of markham's troops and by midday they had succeeded in gaining possession of a wood which covered one of the enemy's corps at the same time the cannon upon the height were scattering death throughout the neapolitan ranks and general avellino ordered up his reserve of cavalry to take a share in the conflict markham was well prepared for this proceeding and at the head of his cuirassiers he dashed against the newcomers this charge was made with an impetuosity altogether irresistible and the neapolitans were thrown into disorder in that part of the field the castle sicklands pursued their advantage and by four o'clock in the afternoon the enemy were completely overwhelmed the neapolitan loss was immense upwards of twelve thousand men of that army lay dead upon the field while an equal number had been made prisoners on markham's side the number of killed did not exceed two thousand but the generous-hearted young men considered his splendid victory to be dearly bought even by means of that sacrifice and the eyes which flashed with the fires of heroism on the battlefield now melted into tears at the evidences of the sanguinary fight we should observe that the conduct of charles hatfield was admirable throughout this memorable day in the charge upon the neapolitan cavalry he comported himself in a manner that more than once gained for him the approval of his commander and when the strife was over and the victory was won markham complimented him on his prowess in the presence of the officers gathered about him at the time the booty acquired by this great battle was immense for the neapolitans who survived the conflict were compelled to retreat with such precipitation as to leave all their baggage and artillery in the hands of their enemy on the following day markham set his army in motion towards the capital at the gates of which he was determined to force the king to acknowledge the castle sickle and republic but in his progress through the neapolitan dominions he adopted the most rigorous measures to protect the innocent inhabitants from plunder or wrong at the hands of his victorious troops and he issued a proclamation to the effect that any soldier found guilty of an act of oppression or outrage should be expelled the army and deprived of his civil rights as a castle sicklen citizen it was at about midday on the seventeenth of december that markham came within sight of naples and he was then met by plenipotentiaries sent by king ferdinand to treat for an armistice preparatory to negotiations for peace the victorious general received the deputies with the utmost courtesy he however bade them observe that it was not for him to treat but to dictate thereupon he drew up the conditions on which he would spare the capital and retire from the kingdom those terms being the acknowledgment of the castle sicilian republic the payment of all the expenses incurred by castle sicula in consequence of this war and a guarantee against the renewal of hostilities on the same pretence to these conditions ferdinand refused to accede and the citizens of naples were called upon to arm in defence of the capital but the people rose up as one man within the walls of the city and threatened to dethrone the king unless he accepted the terms set forth by general markham the bloodthirsty ferdinand was accordingly compelled to submit to the demands of the castle sicilian general 
and the conditions being fulfilled in the course of a few days markham began to retrace his way to the state which he had thus a second time saved from destruction it would be impossible to describe the enthusiasm with which the victorious general and his army were received on their return to castle sicola the roads were lined with a grateful population anxious to catch a glimpse of the hero and to testify their joy at the conquest which he had achieved over the enemy triumphal arches were raised flags were waving in all directions towns were illuminated municipal corporations appeared with congratulatory addresses and the peasantry made bonfires on the hills as proofs of their delight when the army approached montoni the general's family came out to meet him and isabella experienced more sincere pride in embracing a husband whose citizen name it was an honour to bear than if he still wore a princely title and held a sovereign rank peace was thus ensured to castle sicola and the republic was firmly established not only by the will of the people but likewise by the prowess of the army charles hatfield who as one of the general's aides de camp already held the rank of lieutenant was now invested with the captaincy and one of the members of the national assembly happening to die at the time the constituency thus left temporarily unrepresented offered to elect him as their deputy but he felt anxious to return to england for letters reached him about this period informing him that mr hatfield's health had latterly caused serious apprehensions to his relatives and friends and the young man accordingly demanded leave of absence for a period this was granted without hesitation and charles hatfield took his departure laden with presents from markham and his family and attended with their sincerest wishes for his prosperity End of section one hundred and one